Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever or wherever you are, whether you're listening for the very first time or you're up to date with all the previous episodes, I thank you for tuning in to Series 4 of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom. My name is Georgina Townsend and I am your host and the acting editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine. For our 10th and last episode of the series, I was joined by interior designers Beth Dadswell of Imperfect Interiors and Ros Wilson of Rosalind Wilson Design to answer some of our readers and listeners' kitchen dilemmas. Questions include, where is the best place to put my bins? I think by the sink, but my partner thinks on the island where we do food prep. And is this actually an important thing to consider? How much should I follow the rules of the magic triangle? How magical is it actually? I can't decide between having a breakfast bar and stools on my island or a built-in banquette. Can you help? I like colourful shaker kitchens, but my husband wants something more monotone and modern. How do we compromise? And finally, I'm about to plan a new kitchen. What are your main kitchen must-haves and must-nots? But before we get going, I have a favour to ask. We want to try and help as many people as possible, whether they're currently renovating a complete door upper or just simply want to refresh a tired kitchen. So please, if you have the time, share this episode with friends or family or your neighbours down the street, plus leave a review and subscribe. Also, if you have any dilemmas you'd like us to tackle in our next series, please let us know either via email or social media. And remember, there's no such thing as a silly question. Let's get these dilemmas solved, shall we? Okay, welcome back, Beth and Ross. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Thank you. Good to be here. Beth, can you give us a quick hello? Hello. Ros? Hello. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, let's get cracking with our reader's kitchen dilemmas. So first off, we have Chris. He says, where is the best place to put my bins? I think the sink, but my partner thinks on the island where we do food prep. What do we think? I like to put bins to the left of the sink and then the dishwasher to the right. So you can open the bin, scrape into it if you want to, rinse under the tap and then put it in the dishwasher. So you're doing one movement. But I don't know if that's on the island or it doesn't really matter whether it's on the island or a perimeter unit. I think it's just better than dragging dirty dishes and sort of dripping water across the floor. So what you're saying is anywhere as long as it's by the sink and the dishwasher. Bin to the left, dishwasher to the right, unless you're left-handed. Maybe that's different if you're left-handed. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm right-handed, so that's the logical way I would do it. So I think as much as that's a formula, that's good. (laughs) Where you prep is probably where I think would make more sense, Chris, because you'd be prepping and then scraping scraping into your bin. Then off you go once all the residue and scraps are left around. You can go wash off your hands or whatever you want to wash off. Oh, so we've got different answers. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Because yeah, I'm just thinking, playing devil's advocate the other way around, if you are prepping, then you've got to take all whatever you prepped and then carry it over to the burn and it's going, why say carry it over? Why do I automatically assume one's on the island and one's, that's the point though. It could be. So it depends. So I suppose Chris needs to elaborate and give us, <laughs> is, he, is he prepping on an island? And <laughs> But I just think it might be less drippage and spillage if the bins are where he's prepping. And it might also depend possibly on the kind of worktop because if Mm. he's just chopping onto a worktop directly, then yes, you definitely want to sort of just scrape it across, wouldn't you, into a bin. Whereas if you're on a chopping board and you don't, you know, you're not chopping on the worktop directly, you can obviously move that 
around without hopefully spinning stuff. So yeah, I think yeah, that's true. There's no right or wrong. So I feel I've got a solution to all of our problems with this question, Chris. We recently featured Linda Barker's kitchen, and she had a small little food waste bin. Mm. integrated underneath Mm -hmm. her island worktop Mm -hmm. where she does food prep and there was a sort of small little lid cut out of her worktop which she could pop in Mm. pop out and that's where she would put all the food Mm -hmm. to scrape directly to scrape directly Mm. in I mean I'm not sure where her other bins are but essentially Chris what he what Chris could do (laughs) is if he's prepping on the island he can Mm -hmm. have an integrated food waste area bin on the island and Mm -hmm. then an actual black bag bin and -hmm. recycling Somewhere else. Somewhere else, because you need the space for that. The offset of that, good solution, is that you will need a cutout of your island. Of course, he's happy to have that. Um, And what is that lid? I mean, then you get into a whole world of, if you've got a marble, dare I say it, marble (laughs) worktop, is that a marble cutout with a little hole in that you have to lift out, which could be quite heavy? Is it a metal lid? You know, it doesn't really sit very nicely in the worktop. I mean, there's just endless Oh, I've complicated Endless things. questions, I'm sorry, aren't Chris. there? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if it was all in one line, sink, prep area, bin, I think Chris and his partner will be absolutely fine. Oh, I like I, that. I think it's if there's a gap between a we has to carry over, it's yeah. going to be the situation. Yeah. In which case, there could be a little prep sink or bowl on the island too. Again, this is assuming there's an island and he has to carry things over. But I think there's a little bit more to find out about his situation, but it's all workable. Yeah, so the question was, where is the best place to put my bins? I think by the sink, but my partner thinks on the island where we do ah, food prep. We got that answer. Sorry. Okay. okay. In which case, put the sink on the island and then Bob's your uncle. Put Bob's everything on the island. <laughs> Don't <laughs> bother with anything else. Island. Just have an island to put everything on the <laughs> put island. Everything on it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I hope that helps, Chris. Although I'm not sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our next question is from Jenny. She asks us, how much should I follow the rules of the magic triangle and how magical Is it? (laughs) Definitely, Jenny. I would disregard it and just make sure that it functions according to how you work in the kitchen. And however that is, however that is, it will work for you then. Beth, should we quickly try and describe for those who don't know what the magical triangle is? The very magical triangle, yes. Well, as far as I'm aware, it's the hob or the oven, I guess, and the sink and also the fridge. You want to have, if you can... You want to have them in a nice equidistant spacing between each other so you can move between three areas quickly and not be sort of walking from one side of the kitchen around an island to the other side of the kitchen to do something. You don't want to be dragging food. You don't want to be dragging wet dishes. You know, it's just it's ergonomics, basically. But it, I agree with Ross. I don't think it has to be a perfect triangle. It's just got to work. I guess it's more as long as your space flows, nothing interrupts your yes. key working, yeah. cooking yeah. zone, Yeah, then that is important, isn't it? Yeah. And ideally, you know, again, often we're working on sort of traditional period properties in, in London and cities, you know, there's often entrance into a kitchen sort of off a corridor what you don't want is to be funneling people through some wall units on one side and an island because that's where you're going to be doing all your cooking, your washing. You know, you don't want kids running through there. So it's it's as much about flow around the kitchen just generally and making sure you're funneling people the way you want them to, to go as the magical triangle. <laughs> I think if there's any comparison between the two for Jenny, it would be a case of the hob and or the oven and the sink rather together because... 
let's just say you had a lard or a pantry, a walk-in pantry or something, there's the possibility to put a fridge in there too because sometimes that happens, in which case you would need to get what you're going to use, put it onto your surface where you're going to prep. So really sink closeness or proximity to um, oven, maybe a bit more relevant than the triangle. So I think for Jenny's purposes, I think, yeah, the triangle doesn't have to be so. She doesn't have to tie herself down to that. Okay, Jenny, I hope that helps. So our next question is from Caroline. She says, I can't decide between having a breakfast bar and stools on my island or a built-in bonquette seating. Can you help? Mm. Have both if you can. Oh, That's what I would do. (laughs) Have it all. Yeah, if you've got enough width. I love a built-in bonquette seating Mm. area. I just think it's so nice, especially when you've got small children. You pile on, you've got something to sort of lean back against. You can upholster it in really lovely fabrics. You can have loose cushions, which add in colour and texture, making it feel more personal. So yeah, if you can do both, do both. That's what I would recommend. What if she can't? Well, I would say it depends whether she's really desperate to have an island. If she's desperate to have an island, then she's going to want to have stools on it probably. And the bonquette seating might have to go. I do think that sitting at a nice built-in bonquette with a back and cushions is much nicer than sitting up at an island. But, you know, who am I to tell her what she wants? (laughs) What do you recommend? Let me me tell her. I think a bonquette seat is the way to go. It's, as you've said, um, it's comfortable. It just feels more relaxed. And it's going to be nice for family in the morning, whether you're entertaining, whatever happens in the kitchen. It's a nicer way to go. I think that bar stools and counters just get annoyed. Rickety bar stool bases and you've got to tuck them in, tuck them under. If you're ever entertaining or, you know, that whole thing or conversation about, you know, you want to socialize with your friend, drinking a glass of wine at the island while you're cooking, you're just going to stand around. <laughs> hopping, I mean, maybe it's my vertical challenge that's got going, but hopping onto a bar stool and then swinging the thing around and like... They're never holding, comfortable, are they? never really? comfortable. And then you're tucking them away and it yeah. feels like an obstacle course. With the whole bar stool, I think a banquet is just so nice to add uh, a look, comfort, social, entertaining. If I've got my glass of wine with a friend, I'm going to sit there yeah. instead of like hoist myself onto a bar stool and start swinging around an island. Um, <laughs> it just feels better, you know. And if she's got space, sure, go for both. But if she doesn't, the banquet seat. Good advice. Loving it. Okay, Jan. I like colourful shaker kitchens, but my husband wants something more monotone and modern. How do we compromise? Go for... Two kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. You know? Go, go for the... You know what I'm going to say. Go for the shaker kitchen. Go for maybe a really, really deep green or, or a charcoal or something. If he's not keen on colour, you know, you can still choose a, something with a touch of colour in it, but it could still be dramatic doesn't have to be bright colour, but I think you can add the colour with some artwork, with a built-in bonquette, with some nice se- uh, cushion seats, you know, style the shelves, have some colour on there and keep the kitchen fairly monotone and timeless and add the colour elsewhere. And then you've got kind of best of both worlds. I like that. So you could mm. almost go quite neutral and quite paired back with the cabinetry yeah. and actually the colour Mm, which she wants to introduce is more the accessories. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I like the artwork. This, a yeah. nice, big, bold, bright artwork in a yeah. kitchen is really nice. Yeah. can really look good. A nice, colourful runner. I know I that's mean, controversial as well. <laughs> oh, I love a kitchen rug. I do. Yeah, I also do. I, I do. think it's really good. I mean, also there could be, when we spoke in the previous episode about urban chic, 
that crossover from country into an urban setting. This could be a look that they could investigate because I think it would be that nice merging of something that's a bit more classic, maybe more color with something that's more modern. But if that's too far, I think you're absolutely right. Accessorizing, don't make any of the furnishings the bold color, just maybe the modern take on shaker in a neutral and then burst of color somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. Accessorize. Mm. Because then if she mm. also changes her mind on colour, yeah. those yeah. are the things that can be changed exactly. as well. Exactly. Quite it's easily. much cheaper to change a cushion out than paint Finishing. an entire kitchen. Yeah. So the compromise could be the shaker style, but maybe in a more neutral or darker, less colourful shade. Mm-hmm. And she can then add her colour yeah. pops yeah. elsewhere. Because the colour will yeah. work really well if they go for a dark shaker kitchen. You know, the colour will really contrast beautifully with that as well. Yeah. Okay, I think that sounds like a beautiful yeah, compromise. Yeah, quite nice. Really nice. Um, I'd love to see your kitchen. Jan, when you finish it, please send us pictures. So this question is from Mark. He says, how can I have a more sustainable or eco-friendly kitchen? Okay, so that again starts at the beginning of the journey, doesn't it? So you obviously have an interest in sustainability, Mark. So that's the thing. So you need to do research on wherever you are inquiring about the kitchen manufacturer, where you're going to get your kitchen from. You need to ask those questions about the source of materials, what timbers, what materials, and what's their sustainability in terms of what he's using. But then it also goes for how far does he take this? How are you delivering the materials from their source to where they get to? I think there's a lot of questions he has to ask, and it starts with, who is going to be his manufacturer of his kitchen. So he must find, select a bunch of five or six of them, go do the research, narrow it down to one or two and ask those questions because this is something that he needs to take the lead on because I don't think people are going to volunteer their supply chain. (laughs) It's not common. I don't think it's it's certainly not common for my clients. Um, So he's going to do a little, he's going to need to do a lot more of the legwork here. The answers are there. We, we've started to have meetings with suppliers of finishers. Tecton came in the other day to see us and they're big into sustainability. I would never have known, but they threw it at us on the table, but, which, was, which was quite interesting. But I think Mark's going to have to push that interest through the suppliers and he'll find his way, but it's going to take more work on his side. And I think there might be ways that he could investigate using some of the kitchen he's already got. The obvious one is changing door fronts. That's a very easy, cheap one to do. It might be that he could look to, to buy, you know, a pre-used kitchen online. You know, I had a quick look earlier and there are lots of really good quality kitchens online. If you can find something that fits in your space, that's the trickier element. Mm. It might have just come out of a kitchen showroom, you know. Or the other thing depends on the period of the property. If it's a country cottage type space, it doesn't necessarily have to be a built-in kitchen. Find a local carpenter who can make you a beautiful wooden kitchen. You can get some vintage pieces. You can have a lovely dresser. You know, you could get a, a butcher's block for an island. It doesn't all have to be brand new and fully fitted. I love giving things another life. Mm. I've recently featured a kitchen where the flooring was from an old bank. Some of the light fittings were from an old hotel. Giving new life to mm. old pieces, mm. I think, is beautiful. Mm. And it also adds character mm, yeah. and personality exactly. into the space and a story. Exactly. Yeah. I, bet, I bet he loves telling people, oh, this yeah. flooring we rescued from It's way more interesting than we bought mm. it from the shop yeah. down the road, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. And I think the idea of material use is a really strong one as well because mm. there's just certain materials out there that are recyclable, that are more sustainable 
for example, wood that's from FSC certified forests. You know, there's ways that you can be more sustainable without trying too hard, Mm. I suppose. And I think there are lots of kitchen, often quite young startup kitchen companies that are very, very focused on sustainable, you know, Sebastian Cox just springs to mind, not particularly cheap, but, you know, everything about his design and his company is all about sustainability. So there are people out there that are doing this, but you just need to do your research and find them. Because there's a lot of wastage in kitchens. In terms of refurbishments, we see clients just rip out kitchens and then just, what's going to happen to this kitchen when the new one comes? It's such a a waste that they end up in the skip. And it could really have a new home upcycling or recycling or this kind of, these strategies are really good. And I think it's so prevalent in the kitchen industry because of how much much wastage there is. You know, when clients decide they want a new new appliances, it doesn't mean the old ones don't work anymore. It's just want to chuck them away. Mm. And we all know there's so much you can do to tweak a kitchen, put nicer knobs on the existing units, you paint them, maybe you change the worktop if that's really beyond reuse. But again, you know, you can still find recycled things for that. You could get old pieces of marble. It doesn't have to be brand new. Reclaimed bits of wood can look really nice in kitchen. Go to a reclamation yard, see what you can find. It will take you longer and you'll have to do lots of legwork, but you could end up with a really amazing, completely unique kitchens. Is there something in using British local companies as well? I think most definitely. I think that's that would be one of the key things in terms of having it locally sourced, using local suppliers and trades. And if they have a policy of sustainability, it's a win-win, isn't it? Deval Springs to mind, you know, they've got huge workshops now because they're so popular. You know, they're employing a lot of people, you know. Wow. You're, you're investing in that local kind of environment aren't you if you're buying a kitchen from someone you can trace everything it's not being shipped from Italy or Germany you're not using loads of air miles it's only benefiting yeah great okay Mark I hope that helps Francis Francis has come to us and she is saying that she's about to plan a new kitchen do you have any main kitchen must-haves and must-have nots the must-have would be make it unique I think you can't overstate that Make it yours. Choose something you really love. Don't just flick through a catalogue and point at something and sort of replicate it. Make it personal. Must not. Come on, you can't avoid the must not. (laughs) The must not would be don't don't copy (laughs) someone else's kitchen. Exactly. It just, you know, there's so much fun to be had. And I think it should be an enjoyable process. It's, you know, it sounds a bit cliche, but it is a way to sort of be a bit creative and expressive in your, it's your home. So. Do your own thing. Agree with all of those statements, but also we haven't really spoken much about the right kind of storage in kitchens. And I think that a must-have is the right storage for you for whatever you want to store in your kitchen and what that is. Because we've spoken quite a bit about appliances and work surfaces and taps and handles and things, but we do have to give consideration to the furniture and what's within that space and larder space and dry foods and just general pots and pans and cutlery and crockery and so forth. Because there's merits in allowing have enough of it you know i don't know master knots knots yeah that marble works <laughs> practical surface well i think you need the right kitchen flooring as well with this the specification can go so wrong and we've seen that trend towards different kinds of natural stones and limestone for example impossible you're always cleaning it you're just always cleaning it try use the right practical surfaces for their functionality so maybe not your concretes or your limestone flooring, your right storage and work surface to what you, how you want this kitchen to function. 
How do you plan that storage? How we've done it in the past is we've taken inventory of what the clients have. Then we inventory what they can get rid of that they haven't touched in years and they don't need it. And then what the level of expansion is in their new kitchen. So what's the, is there a change in lifestyle, downgrading, upscaling, downsizing, new family, smaller family. So we need to take that into context and then plan it accordingly. And also what is their cooking styles like now? It, it hasn't changed. So that's how we apportion. And then we start to go, okay, fine. Are you going to separate how many sets of crockery and cutlery you're going to have here? Is it going to be in the dining room? Do you want to store anything like that here? In your induction pots, do you, you know, your storage, and how do you want to store your pots? Hanging them, pot drawers, pot whatevers. Um, so there's a lot of questions around how we store, but it starts with inventory, existing, change, new, old. Do you encourage, I'm just thinking about that, because often people, you know, they feel like they have to have wall cabinets because they haven't got enough storage otherwise. And you can quite quickly in a kitchen end up with just so much storage that it just it doesn't feel like a living space. Do you ever encourage clients to kind of have a huge clear out first? Because yeah. I think most people have literally <laughs> cupboards and drawers full yeah. of rubbish that they just accumulate and yeah. automatically think well I've got that many cupboards at home so I need that many in the new place yeah. but actually get a skip get Check rid of some of that out. stuff we don't need all this stuff most of us no, we there's a lot of documentaries and books that people need to read in the yeah. modern world about less is more I think we get a bit um, too attached with stuff in kitchens personally but then I would say that because I'm a bit of a, a luddite and I'm not crazy about gadgets so you know, everyone's different, aren't they? But I think most people could probably clear, have a clear out and have a nicer looking kitchen because it's not tons and tons of huge cupboards. You want to sort of break the cupboards up, I think. Have some yeah. open shelving for cookbooks and some plants and don't just have a complete wall of floor to ceiling because it can very quickly feel quite oppressive. 100%. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, a lot of clients say, yes, I'm going to get rid of stuff. Do you think they do? No. But the intention is there and then we have to encourage it because we design, we draw it up, we specify on the elevations and then it's not there. It's not accounted for. So your 400 platters that are 200 by like 400 or 600, whatever, they've got to go in the garage. <laughs> That's where they are. Sorry, um, no space. <laughs> we'll do the Greek style and smash it all and we'll have a big body. It's all good. I mean, I'm glad you've brought up storage as a must-have because we've recently done the top 10 kitchen must-haves. And number one, number two was bespoke storage and number one was a pantry. So mm. it's all really the top two out of the 10 yeah. are about yeah. storage. Mm. So yeah. I think for Francis, if you are about to plan your new kitchen, I think storage is definitely one of the first places you should start because mm. also if you don't have enough storage, your kitchen is soon going to become messy yeah. impractical yeah it's going to become stressful when you're yeah. cooking it's never going to look clean so I think storage is a definite definite if, must have if you've got the space obviously it's a bit of a luxury but if you've got the space and you can have a sort of a hidden utility slash pantry out of the way that's quite a good way of putting lots of equipment and the ugly stuff that you don't want to see in the kitchen just out of sight still really accessible obviously that's not everybody's able to do that but it's definitely worth thinking about sort of carving out a less visible space if you've got lots of stuff and you just don't want to have it all in the main room. I think it's a love a pantry concept. It's really nice. In my new kitchen, I unfortunately won't have space for one, but it will float in my head and all. it will materialise in the client's projects, which will be fine, <laughs> satisfying enough. Vicariously. It is nice to have it all away and out of the way and stored away in storage because 
lived in so many kitchens which have been not well designed and it it comes up with work surfaces. I mean, I myself in my previous kitchen uh, from a property that I was renting had no drawers. And I think a colleague of mine now, she's just moved into property with no drawers in her kitchen. How does that happen? Okay, so go the Mediterranean style and just like put everything on the kitchen sill with, that's nice, that's a, that's a look, it's a look, but sometimes it's not. And so storage is really important to consider because yeah. you can do so many good things. And this is where Pinterest is really good, kitchen storage, and there's so many good <laughs> ideas that you can then spin off from, which yeah. is great. Also on these three rooms.com <laughs> and KBB magazine. <laughs> just uh, cancel out the Pinterest thing and just go for that. Yeah. <laughs> So that's all for our readers' kitchen dilemmas. I hope we have helped you and please do send us pictures and get in touch once your kitchens are done. We would love to see them. But for now, Beth and Roz, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on these episodes. You've been very insightful, so informative and very entertaining and it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for joining me once again. Thanks for having us. It's been fun. Well, that's it for series four of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom. It's been an absolute pleasure and I will catch you again soon for series five. Meanwhile, please give us a review, subscribe, tug us on social media and share with friends and family. Until next time.